Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about Brahms, The Boy 2, from 2020. Directed by William Brent Bell, written by Stacey Muneer, starring Katie Holmes, Owain Yeoman, Christopher Convery, and Ralph Innocent. In this sequel to 2016's The Boy, a family rents a country cottage in an attempt to recover from the trauma of a recent home invasion, and their son finds comfort in a new friend he finds in the woods, a doll named Brahms. Ashwin, this is our two-year anniversary episode. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it went I by can, fast. I know. It did. Yeah. I, I can't believe it's already been two years. Yeah. Ashwin and I were kind of not really in the mood to do anything special, so we're just doing a movie like we always do, but uh, congratulations to us. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Hey, uh, that brings up one question. I was wondering if you remember this. Um we recorded uh, a handful of episodes before we officially launched. Do you remember why uh, we launched when we launched in, in June of, I guess, 2018? I don't remember why we chose that. It was 6-6, six, six, which was kind of fun. Oh, but, um, yeah. I think we just wanted to, I think we told ourselves we wanted to get 10 episodes recorded on our microphones. Um, yeah. Like the microphones we purchased rather than our computer mics before mm-hmm. we went live, just in case. Got it. Okay. So it was a matter of like building up inventory. Yeah. Then releasing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I forgot about the 6 6 thing too. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I've been meaning to mention it since it's a two year. Um, I've had a goal for 2020 to get to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I think we're at 72 right now. I think we can do it. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are hearing this right now and you haven't done that yet, even if you don't listen on an Apple device, you can go to, I assume you can go to iTunes.com or Apple Podcasts.com um, and review a podcast that way. Um, it really means a lot to us. Uh, long-term goal is to get to 200 because then a certain opportunity opens up for us that would be really cool. So. <laughs> If you haven't reviewed yeah. us yet, you can either write a review or just go and click the stars. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it takes like less than a, a second, I guess, right? If, if you don't have to write the review, you can just click a star number. Yeah, you don't even have to write the review. And if everybody who listened to this did it, we'd be we'd be rolling in reviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, creepy dolls. We haven't done that many creepy doll movies, man. Surprisingly, we haven't. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't touched like the Annabelle series yet. It seems like such a horror trope, but there yeah. seems to be a pretty finite amount of movies based on dolls. Yeah. Uh, what else outside of Annabelle? Uh, oh, Child's Play, obviously. The Child's Play. I guess that's an entire franchise, a big one. Mm-hmm. Puppet Master. There's a movie called Dolls. Dead Silence, which I want to see from James Wan. Hmm. Tourist Trap. Yep. Night of um, the Living Dummy by Arl Stein. Yeah. <laughs> a classic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dolls, uh, there's something creepy about them. Just like kind of like clowns, right? Yeah, for sure. Anything I think that's meant to be pure and innocent, sometimes we like to find a creepy vibe in. Yeah. There's also creepiness in anything that's made to look too much like a human. Which oh, is sure. why Brahms is so creepy, the doll in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks super human. Uh, that, 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 that's a creepy doll. That's not a real doll, is it? Like out there in the market? I don't think so. Yeah. I hope not. 
not Speaking to. of real dolls out there in the market, I, th- I think I brought this up maybe way back in our Child's Play episode, way back in the day. But my mom and her sisters had a doll as a child. And I encourage any of you, if you're not driving, to look this up on the internet. It was called Zack the Sack. <laughs> I think the brand was Whimsy Doll. But if you Google Zack the Sack Whimsy Doll, you will find quite an interesting doll. <laughs> you guys had this one? No, my parent, my mom had it as uh, when she was a kid. Oh my God. Looks Apparently like a creepy... her sister was very attached to it. Yeah, it looks like a creepy old dude in like pajamas. It's like a homeless man in pajamas. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, can you still buy these by any chance? Uh, I, think they're, I think they're like collector's items now. Oh, okay. I'm sure you can get one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of these antique dolls, which I guess Brahms kind of falls into that category. Uh, yeah, he does. Pretty messed up. Yeah. So, this movie had a budget of ten million, just like its predecessor. Its predecessor made sixty-five million at the box office, and this one made about twenty million. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and I don't think it's a secret that this movie got pretty bad reviews. Yeah, it's got like a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's got a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the original, to give a, a little mini review of that? Oh, man. Uh, you're not going to like this. I, I haven't seen the original. Oh, you. <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me what you thought of the original. Oh, man. And then I would just disagree. But <laughs> I assumed. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, you thought I saw the original. <laughs> it was pleasantly, surprisingly decent. Yeah, actually, that, that got like really, uh, yeah, decent reviews, like 50, 60%, I think. Yeah, and a lot of that, I think, was due to uh, Lauren Cohan's performance. She was a, a great lead in that. She is yeah. the, like, farm woman from <laughs> from The Walking Dead. What's what's uh, what's her name in The Walking Dead? It, it's uh, I haven't watched that show in so many years, I can't remember. Yeah, she's dating Glenn. Uh, yeah. yeah. I forget. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I saw, I saw the trailer, and I agree with you. Sure, her acting looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this movie is from the same writer-director duo, script by Stacey Muneer, directed by William Brent Bell. And I've got it. This just like has the vibe that that movie was successful. The production company pushed for a sequel, and the writer cranked out a sequel. Yeah, even sure. though she may not have had a great place to go with it. Not to spoil the review. Um, yeah, yeah, it kind of feels like more of like a commercial product versus like something that was maybe inspired or something. Yeah, yeah, it did feel more like a product, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, PG-13, just like the original. What what do you think about PG-13 movies? I know there's a lot of people out there in the horror community that get all up in arms when something's rated PG-13 and called <laughs> horror. Yeah, you know, I I didn't even pick up uh, on that while I was watching it that I was PG thirteen. Like this one didn't feel like it was like censored or anything, which yeah, I, I feel like other horror films uh, can feel like that when they're PG thirteen. But um, it, I don't know. I feel like we've been seeing so much gore lately that maybe it made me appreciate this one more, not seeing such gross things or or extreme things. But I don't know. What what did you think? Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Like I, I'm down for gore, but I'm perfectly willing to sit through a PG thirteen movie and and get creeped out and. And just sit back and enjoy. Do you draw the line at PG thirteen? Like, would you ever go PG or G? Sure, man. I think we watched one called The Hole way back when, from like uh-huh. two thousand nine. I think that might have been PG. Was that about kids? Uh, yeah, it was like a kids horror movie almost. Uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are kind of more like adventure, but yeah, 
I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. I want to say that was directed by Joe Dante that did Gremlins, but that's just uh, grasping at straws, so don't get angry if I'm wrong, everybody. Yeah, no, there's definitely someone familiar on the directing side. Yeah. I figured that was. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. I, I guess rating uh, doesn't necessarily always have to be a, uh, like a way to judge a movie, I guess. Yeah, and when you're doing like a creepy haunted house type movie, it doesn't need to be rated R a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It can yeah. still be effective. Um, so, yeah, this didn't do that well at the box office. It, it doubled its budget, which is often not enough on the whole for it to be profitable. It was released theatrically February 21st, and theaters closed in mid-March. I'm not sure if it was still in theaters when they closed. I would guess maybe. Huh. Yeah, I feel like I don't remember seeing it in theaters, uh, unless it was like a... It probably was a wide release, right? It was a wide release. The mm. average time for a movie to be in a theater is four weeks, so this would have been about its run. Yeah, okay. So I don't know if that its earnings were truncated because of the coronavirus or if that's just about where it would have been. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because um, it didn't have a, a lot of good buzz, so it may have it may have gotten pulled before then anyway. Yeah. Hey, when uh, th- when it's named uh, Brahms, uh, the boy too, did you uh, assume they meant Brahms like the whoever wrote like Frankenstein and stuff? I <laughs> like. <laughs> you know what I'm talking so, about? So wrong on so many levels. <laughs> Wait, who? Bram Stoker or Bram Stoker or something? Isn't yeah, that? Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. Okay, Dracula. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that's that's what I thought this was. Oh, cool, this is like an old uh, story or something uh, written by that, that Bram Stoker dude. I didn't know about the boy, or it just didn't register on my radar until I saw previews for Brahms the Boy 2. Uh-huh. And I thought Brahms was like the director or something at first. Oh, oh yeah, it does sound like a very official name like yeah, it's someone like some creator or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Brahms is the doll if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah. It's literally the and name of the doll. We will spoil it after our little musical interlude coming up pretty soon. Yeah. That that's weird though to name a movie of uh like that I guess like with it. Well, I guess like Chucky kind of did the same thing. Had- right, but Brahms is no Chucky. It was it was an interesting move. Sure. I don't know why you was, just wouldn't call this the boy, too. <laughs> right. That would have been a lot less confusing. <laughs> so many people assumed this was by Bram Stroke. Bram's a stroker. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if it's Bram or Brom. Uh, I'm sure it's Brom. Yeah. It's one of those old-timey names. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess this one's Brom, so Stoker had to be Brom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. If it's all the same, right? All right, we're sounding smarter and smarter by the second here. I know. <laughs> um, anything else? There's not that much background info out there on this movie. Um, I mean, it was, it was crazy to see, like, Katie Holmes. I feel like I haven't seen her on uh, film for a long time, but she has been pretty active, I guess, the last few years. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen anything by her lately? I haven't seen her lately, no. Yeah. And um, I was never a Dawson's Creek person, so... Yeah, she, it's, it's funny because she's got such a familiar face, but I really personally haven't seen her in much, aside from like Batman Begins. Yeah, that was kind of like the last time I remember her too. Um, yeah. But I guess she was like Ocean's Eight and um, Logan Lucky. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess maybe I've been seeing her and I just didn't recognize her. But you're right, a very familiar face that I remember when I saw the preview for this, like I couldn't place like who she was. Right, right, and of course we haven't mentioned that Ralph Innocent is in this from the Dad from the Witch. Oh right, yeah, another big actor i guess yeah 
I like and, that guy. Uh, what'd you say? I, I I like that guy. He's got like a very unique voice. He really does. Yeah, I like him too. Yep. And Christopher Convery, the boy here, Jude, mm-hmm. looked vaguely familiar to me, and I realized he played young Billy in a flashback in Stranger Things season, the, the last season, what, season oh. three? Wow, yeah, yeah. I could see that very similar hairstyle as Billy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the director here, William Brent Bell, he's done a handful of horror movies at least. He's got um, The Boy, obviously, Stay Alive, The Devil Inside. I haven't seen any of his other stuff, though, have you? No, I haven't either. Yeah. And the writer, Stacey Manier, she's got something in the works, uh, or I don't know if it's in pre-production or post, but The Boy was her first thing, and then The Boy too. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I assume she's pretty fresh, unless she's been writing in, in other mediums. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything else before I hit our Ohio connection as we do every episode from our friend Alex? Uh, no, let's hear it. Alex from the Jukebox Bar in Cleveland, Ohio says, <laughs> this is a good one. He says, Katie Holmes is from Toledo, Ohio. Yawn. <laughs> or the production team for this film includes Gary Lucchese. His career is pretty expansive, having began in Hollywood, having begun, Alex, in Hollywood as an agent representing stars like Susan Sarandon, Kevin Costner, and Michelle Pfeiffer. At one time, he was the head of production for Paramount Pictures before starting his own company throughout the 90s and 2000s, and he currently serves as president of the Producers Guild of America. His filmography is expansive, including most notably Million Dollar Baby, The Underworld Franchise, and Primal Fear. In 2008, he served as the executive producer for a short-lived TV reboot of the teen film Heathers from 1988, which starred Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. Both the show and film are set in the fictitious town of Sherwood, Ohio. Oh, cool. That's awesome. He he got there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a random one. He said, I get way too much joy from these. (laughs) I know. I would have stopped at the Katie Holmes one. That was was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Consider it. He can't just consider his job done. He's got to go the extra mile. (laughs) He's got to find those deep connections. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I didn't know she was from Ohio before uh, I saw this film. It's crazy. I think I knew that way back when, but I forgot. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Alex. And if you're in the Cleveland area and want to get some beer or wine, uh, Jukebox is doing pickup. You can order online at jukeboxcle.com and go pick it up safely in your car. Anything else, Ash? Should we uh, start spoiling things? We'll run through the plot and then give our review. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you hold? Do you mind holding on one second, though? I, I think we just got some groceries delivered, so I'm going to go wipe them down and, and unload them into the cupboards and fridge and everything. Sure. Can I call you back? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Cool, you got everything wiped down? Yeah, um, everything's wiped down, but uh, it wasn't Malcolm that delivered them, so Bronze is going to be pretty pissed. <laughs> you know how that goes. That, Actually, that, you don't know how that goes, because that's a, <laughs> one, a joke from the first movie. I know. I, I read the, uh, <laughs> the synopsis. Okay. So, yeah, he, he was the grocery boy from uh, Boy One. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Brahms, it was more prominent in in the first one, but Brahms has ten rules. Yeah. They are no guests, never leave Brahms alone, save meals in the freezer, (laughs) which is so silly. (laughs) Never cover Brahms' face, read a bedtime story, play music loud, clean the traps, only Malcolm brings deliveries, Brahms is never to leave, and kiss goodnight. (laughs) <laughs> what uh what's the uh genesis of those rules I, like it's not explained in this movie but do they explain it in the first movie they don't really explain the genesis of the rules in the first one okay there are a so, lot of open-ended questions in this franchise yeah yeah um which is fine for a supernatural movie you can't explain everything but yeah that's true <laughs> that's the whole point of supernatural i guess yeah the unexplained yeah yeah uh yeah and uh that character though isn't in this film right from the first film he is not Malcolm. nope yeah okay nor is lauren cohan's character yeah it's interesting yeah. like i i don't want to spoil the first one but um it did seem like the story is very different in the second one and almost like uh unrelated in some ways yeah we didn't talk about that before we recorded but should we spoil the first one i mean i assume if you're listening to this you Unless you're some kind of crazy person who watched this without seeing the first one. <laughs> yeah. There shouldn't be anyone out there like that. I'm, I'm going to do it. But yeah. in the first one, there's this whole thing about this creepy doll and these people who have hired Lauren Cohan as a nanny are treating it like it's real. And she's like, these people are crazy. But after mm-hmm. a while, she comes to believe them that the doll is real. And it turns out that really it's just this doll and... The son, they they think this doll is their son. The son is now a grown man living in the walls of the house. And he's right. doing all the things that make it seem like the doll is alive. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. But yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And it was I, a I, nice, I, fun twist. It, it was, it, I think Lauren Cohan's change of character and to the, where she like really came around and thought that that was a real doll. Yeah. And then this twist with the dude in the walls was enough to keep that movie from being run of the mill. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting because uh, I thought, uh, like, yeah, my assumption was, like, boy one, boy two, it's like the same doll uh, being supernatural or whatever. But, that, yeah, when I read the synopsis of the first one, really interesting that there wasn't really anything supernatural about it then, right? Right, correct. Weird. Okay. So, this movie begins with a family of three in their London apartment. The dad's working late. The mom, Katie Holmes, puts her boy to bed, and there's a break-in in the house. It's pretty scary. The mom gets knocked out and there's blood all over the floor by her head. And you kind of wonder if she might be dead. And the last thing we see from that scene is the boy kneeling next to her. Yeah. We transition. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I thought this was uh, kind of a cool opening because uh, it did like the same scare twice where like in their house, you can see through the stairs and like uh, we saw in the beginning, like a, a, the boy was like kind of hiding back there. And then uh, later on, it was like an intruder. Um so kind of, I, I thought this was like a nice uh, opening and like a kind of uh, um, uh, scare, I guess, in the beginning. What, what did you think? Yeah, it really wasn't bad. I didn't think it was amazing, but sure, yeah, it was competent. They like yeah, I mean, to, was, they make a joke. They make a point out of like how the boy and the dad like to scare their mom. So I get in big trouble for that when I scare my wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it used yeah. to be one of my favorite things. You know who else scares pretty easily is Alex Oh, Our really? Ohio connection, Alex. <laughs> oh, I've gotten that. him pretty good over the years too. <laughs> oh man, I got to hear some of that. <laughs> I remember at one point he was kind enough to let me crash with him for quite a while in Chicago when I was first moving there, and uh, 
I can't remember this exact scenario, but I like hid in his roommate's room and got on my computer and G chatted him and was like, Hey, I'm at work, but I think I left something in the, in my room. Like, could you or in your room? I can't remember where. And I was yeah. like, could you go check that for me? And he like walked across thinking he was alone in the apartment and I scared him. <laughs> Man, I'd be scared to be in, in a, a like apartment with you. Cause I, like, I love scaring people. I don't do it yeah. anymore, though. You don't do it anymore? Oh, man. I, I, the only person I can do it to would would hate me if I did it. <laughs> your, your relationship would be sacrificed. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so anyway, yeah, we've got that opening scene. And I legitimately thought the mom was dead. But then they do a transition to... X amount of time later. I'm not sure how far in the future this is, but they're all together. They're at therapy. The yeah. mom is alive. The dad is there too. And the boy, we find out, hasn't spoken since it's happened. So he's got some serious PTSD and they're going to a child therapist. And in the mom too, I think we kind of uh, feel that she's gone. She has like a lot of trauma that she's carrying around. That's true. She's still suffering from it too. I mean, of course, she got nearly killed by home invaders. So. Yeah, and so she's got, like, nightmares. Uh, I think she won't, like, talk about the event. Uh, so you can tell, like, this family is, like, pretty distraught still. Right, and the dad's kind of, like, pushing her gently to, like, that she's got to start talking about it to him. Like, right. she won't say a word about it. and Yeah. That the son can't get better till she gets better. Yep. So they decide it would be best for all of them if they take a leave to the countryside just to kind of press the reset button. So they're renting this countryside cottage that's on the grounds of a larger property which is the mansion from the first movie they get there they love the place they meet the possibly slightly creepy groundskeeper joseph played by ralph innocent and jude who i don't know how after you've gone through this trauma you would completely lose track of your child on this property (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he like runs runs off and he hears like whispered children's voices guiding him to a spot in the woods and he finds this doll buried which is brahms from the original mm-hmm. and brahms has been shattered and put back together it's clear which we've saw the original ended with him being shattered um so i think that the parents are creeped out and joseph the, the groundskeeper he kind of looks a little concerned when he sees the boy has found the doll yeah, but you can't really read him. Um, yeah, I I feel like he gives like some hints along the way, like oh, of course your name's Brahms or something, or like he he's right. like, he knows that doll. Yeah, you know he knows what's up, but you don't know how he's feeling about all this. Right. Um, and the parents are creeped out by the doll, but the boy seems to like it, and he's going through a tough time, so they're rolling with it. And eventually, they walk by Jude's room and they hear him talking to the doll. So this is a huge breakthrough. He's talking now. And I like the setup here that the doll is really creepy and the parents want to get rid of it, but it's the only thing that got their kid to talk. Yeah. So they're yeah. like kind of walking on eggshells around it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like the whole treatment of like uh, the the trauma and like trying to get this kid to like kind of open up and come out and like the therapist like kind of in the background talking about like how the doll, like you need to keep it because it's like healthy for your son. Like all that like kind of context, I feel like was pretty effective. Yeah, I like that aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. made a lot of sense and added some nuance to things. Right. Um, things start to get a little more concerning when Jude presents them with certain rules that they must abide to take care of Brahms. 
Uh, they've always got to make Brahms dinner and like present him with a plate. And at one point, the mom refuses to do this, and she leaves the room and hears a giant crash and comes back, and the dining room table has been completely smashed beyond of what a child could do. Right. And so from here on out, there's a bit of building dread, I guess. There are a lot of jump scares that mostly come from Liza's recurring dreams about the break-in. Yeah, right. I would say the source, the doll, things are maybe a little tense around the doll and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, She finds a notepad of pictures that Jude drew with him standing over his parents' dead bodies. Um, she finds chats in his notebook between him and the doll. Cause at the beginning of the movie, he's just writing, he's not speaking. So he's got this notebook and yeah. you can see where the doll and him have written in different handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, uh, th- th- there's like a lot of kind of creepy, uh, alluding to like, uh, the doll and then like the TV turning on and off when the doll sitting out there. Uh, there was just, it felt like there were just like a lot of like signs, like something creepy is going on without like actually right. showing it. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's uh, like you can kind of piece together that something's really going on, but there's still some doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's, uh, yeah, like I think you mentioned before, like, uh, the husband's even like kind of becoming suspicious of the wife and like thinking like a lot of what she's thinking is because of like the trauma that she's been through. Right. And so there's like a, some mistrust going on now. And, um, yeah, so some, uh, yeah, no, no one really knows what's going on, I guess. Yeah. Uh, things get really serious when their cousins come over. I think it's the husband's brother and his wife and their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, this violates the no guests rule, one of Brahms' rules. Uh, I believe that's number one. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, one of the kids is a real bully, and him and Jude are playing tug of war with this toy that he's trying to take away from Jude. And Jude kind of like glances over at Brahms and then looks back at the kid and lets go of it. Mm-hmm. And the force then causes this kid to fly backwards and he lands on this shard of wood that he's broken off earlier from a croquet game and he impales himself. Did the doll have anything to do with this? This is what is weird to me about this scene. Like if you're going to write this kind of scene, I think they could have gone a different way because that could have happened. Or maybe that was the point. Like, but that could have happened either way. Like, yeah, the kid broke that wood in half and left a sharp end sticking up. And when you play tug of war, it's a common tactic to just like let go so the other person <laughs> yeah, goes flying. It's not yeah. like the kid knew he's gonna fall on this thing and impale himself. Yeah, it's like the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't seem like quite as evil as it should have been. Yeah, um, but maybe she meant it more to be like, was it an accident or you know? Yeah, yeah, not like a dead giveaway or anything. Yeah. For a PG-13 movie, it's pretty intense to see a kid impaled. Right, yeah, I know. No blood or anything, but... Yeah, I appreciated that. <laughs> now, now that makes sense why there wasn't that much blood. Yeah. Um, so everyone's freaking out. This family rushes to the hospital, the family that's visiting. Uh, Jude's dad accompanies them, because it's his brother and his nephew, And at the hospital, he learns of the terrible history of the property that they're on. Basically a history of kids killing other kids or killing their own parents and saying that a doll told them to do it. Simultaneously, Liza looks up the model number of the doll on the internet and uncovers the same history via internet searches. And I thought this scene was pretty dumb. She tried to look this up earlier in the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and like uh, I think they thought they were really clever here because like she looked up six zero six H, but it was actually upside down and it was like H nine zero nine, and it's like come on, <laughs> that's like when like you used to spell like boobs out on your calculator. Yeah, it's, it's like the oldest trick in the book again. Maybe guys have an advantage in this scene because they they know the boobs trick. <laughs> yeah, I know that prepared us for a life of this. <laughs> yeah, um, there was like a whole scenario you could type out on a calculator to like add up to <laughs> dirty words. I won't say it here because re- when you really think about it, it's pretty messed up. It is. Yeah. Um, There's like a mathematical equation or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it almost seemed like they rushed through that at the same time because it was like, in the plot, maybe it was supposed to be a big deal, but the movie almost seemed like they were embarrassed of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's let's like, just make this really quick. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Yeah. She could have found this out earlier had she not flipped the paper upside down. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, because his model number's like on his hand or something, so she wrote it on a piece of paper yeah. after looking at his hand. Um but that night, Jude and the doll disappear. Liza goes to find them, but as she's trying to leave the cottage, Joseph enters the door with a shotgun pointed at her, and he's basically lost it. And he's saying, we're just doing what Brahms wants. Like, he's, he was acting on Brahms' will the entire time. Brahms knew they would come. Brahms called to them. Brahms called to the boy. Um, she gets out of there by throwing hot candle wax in his face and hits him in the face with the butt of the gun. Mm-hmm. After which his face is perfectly intact. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so she finds Jude and the doll in the large mansion that on the property they're staying on, and Jude has this mask on that the dude had on in the first one that looks just like the doll. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting the shotgun from her, and he's pointing it at her, about to shoot her, telling her that like him, her, and her debt. Her and his dad can't protect him and Brahms. Like, they failed him. They failed with the break-in. They couldn't keep the dog safe. I don't know, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, the dad, though, is walking in sneakily during this, and he hits the doll on the head with a sledgehammer, crushing the doll's head. But beneath the head is some, like, black rotted flesh or something like that. I couldn't tell what that was. Like, uh, was the was there like skin? Like, was that skin? Like, was there like a demon living inside? Like, yeah, what, what were we looking at there? I, it almost reminded me of Sam from Trick or Treat. His oh. face under the burlap sack. Yeah, yeah, but right. not as good looking. No, <laughs> but yeah, it was like burnt up and ashy. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, really weird. <laughs> yeah, was- and there was a fire in the first one, but the, yeah, it still doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I think this is the point where it's like, yeah, this movie is definitely supernatural, right? Compared right, to right, exactly, because the doll then sits up on its own after they think they've dispatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Ralph Innocent walks in and is like, "What have you done? He's going to take this out on me." And Brahms does. He like there's a uh, wood burning stove in there, and he essentially shoots a fireball out of it at uh, Ralph Innocent. Right, <laughs> and. Jude eventually grabs Brahms. He seems like he's gotten the better. He's gotten his senses back, and he throws Brahms in the fire. Brahms in the fire. Yeah. And the movie ends with them. They're back in their apartment, happy as can be. Jude goes to his room and gets put to bed. And after he gets put to bed and his mom leaves the room, he gets up, goes to the closet, and gets out that mask, puts it on, and looks in the mirror and says, I think we'll be very happy here, Brahms. Damn. 
Bronson. What do you think, man? Uh, are there open-ended questions about this ending and the movie in general? Uh, yeah, so many, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in any, any supernatural movie does, and I'm usually pretty forgiving, but there are quite a bit. Yeah, uh, the ending just felt like really rushed. Like they suddenly came out with this explanation or tried to like explain things, which didn't quite make sense. Like, who was Joseph? Why was he uh, helping out Brahms or under his spell? Did you understand that part? I think Brahms essentially just like got people under his spell. Like that's what he did throughout his history. Hmm. Joseph was just a dude that bought the house, thinking, okay, here's a house for sale, and then he got under Brahms' spell. So the whole time he's walking around, he's under Brahm's spell, pretty much? I mean, it's not like it, he's a zombie or anything, but yeah, he like he acts on behalf of the doll. That's interesting. Then I wonder why they killed the dog, because he did seem bothered by that. Uh, I don't know, yeah, it's hard to get a read on, on his character. And uh, yeah, that, that, that whole end fight scene like made no sense. Like They smashed the doll, and then the doll's like this demon, but then the demon like gets burned, but then... Uh, I guess like what, what what does the ending mean like that uh, that the kid is still like under the influence of Brahms right and is the doll itself still destroyed but the the influence still remains or is the doll still intact somehow somewhere yeah is it in the apartment right yeah which yeah I, I can't imagine right because it got burned and like smashed yeah potentially. the alternate ending had the demon face gone it was just the the doll set up with half of a head Oh, oh, so no demon face? Yeah, which I like better. I think so, too. That demon face kind of throws a weird twist into the whole uh, what Brahms was. It did, and the CGI in that ending was pretty bad between the flames and that oh. face. Yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of a mess. And uh, so the interesting thing about the first one is there is nothing supernatural. It's just this dude living in the walls in this family that like can't get the story is that this kid when he was like eight like killed a neighbor girl like set her on fire set the house on fire to kill her or something like that right and then you assume the ptsd of it makes them like treat this doll as if it was their son Mm -hmm. and then after a while you think okay their son's spirit actually did get transferred into the doll somehow but then you realize he's just been living in the walls right which is even yeah. that had open up ended questions. Like at what point did this kid move into the walls? Yeah. What's he been <laughs> and why this is this doll important at all? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. and it really pissed him off when the doll was broken. Huh? It was like the doll was like an avatar for him almost. But then he dies at the end, right? He does die at the end, but I do kind of like, and a lot of people, the negative reviews say like it erases like what was so good about the first one. Hmm. But I do think it could have, I don't know if it ended up doing so or not, give some purpose to that in the first one. Because, like, unless there is something supernatural about the doll, then why the hell is a grown man living in the walls Right. and everybody obsessed with this doll? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That that makes a lot more sense now, uh, knowing that the doll was maybe like a demon or something. Right, uh, right. It kind of it makes gives the first one a little bit more, huh. like, of a, it expands the logic and almost makes more sense of it, but then yeah, there's still a lot of open questions. Yeah. Uh, when you were watching this, uh, since you'd seen the first one, did you have the impression that, again, there was probably just some person like living in the walls or something? I had a feeling they would go the supernatural route this time. Okay. Just based on some of the like quick Twitter reviews that I saw. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. What was I your mean, impression? Were you? Ex- I assume you were just expecting supernatural, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought the the whole movie they were building up that like the doll was like doing all this stuff, and uh, like you'd hear like footsteps running around the house, um, and 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 yeah, you would see like the doll do some things like turn its head and stuff on its own. So yeah, I didn't feel like that was uh, a big question mark going into it this time. Right, it was pretty clear, you know, like they'd they'd show the doll sitting in a chair on the background, and then next time they show him, he's in a different position. Like yeah, yeah, no way around that. Yeah, right. Although that did happen in the first one, but people had to like leave the room for a while, oh. which then you could piece together. The guy came out of the walls, did his Got thing, it. went back into the walls. Got it. Oh, okay, Ate that's clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's leave the room, and then uh, yeah, I saw in the in the uh, preview or trailer like she drew like a outline around it. And when they came back, it was gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So very very different, I guess, uh, story wise. But th- that's interesting how it lends more, uh, I guess, rationale to the first one. Yeah, in a weird way, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Potentially. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the movie as a whole? Uh, you know, I I thought what worked here was uh, that's a pretty creepy looking doll. Like uh, I haven't seen a lot of dolls on TV, but that, that was a scary one. And um, uh, the, even the kid, I feel like very pale, very like uh, um, I, I kind of mirrored the doll a little bit in terms of like how he was dressing and how he was acting in kind of like a wooden way. Yeah, and, very expressionless most of the movie. Right, right, and I, I love like that mirroring effect between the two of them. Um, and then I thought there was like a lot of like. Uh, meaning like in it between uh a family recovering from like a shocking event uh this kid like going through like therapy and like using the doll as a way to like come out of that so i I thought like it built a lot of good character uh development and context up front but yeah the ending just felt like it all like comes apart so quick yeah Uh, unfortunately yeah what what about you yeah you're right it did feel rushed and i think this movie is less than an hour and a half i can't remember the runtime but yeah pretty short like 80 some minutes i think yeah um, but yeah, what, what did you think? You know, after the first one, I, w- I was let down by this. I don't think it's as bad as like the 9% on Rotten Tomatoes would lead one to believe. Yeah. Um, but I think its biggest crime and why it has the big reviews is that for my, in my viewing experience, it was mostly pretty dull. Yeah. And a little boring. Sure. And, and, um, kind of predictable too. It was there was nothing really to set it apart. Like I appreciated the background info and the character development and the fact that this family's going through something and that the doll might be helping their son so they don't want to get rid of the doll. Like right. That was a nice touch. Um but it, something about the movie is just so vanilla. Like Yeah. It's a movie that kind of just disappears from your mind after you're done watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there's something very forgettable about it. Right. That's true. Uh, I saw some people like also kind of complain about it being boring. You didn't feel like the whole thing uh, had like a, a degree of suspense with it just because you know that doll is in the house and like you never know like at what point that doll is going to like suddenly turn and like become what we all know it is. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good point. And depending on how you feel about the doll, and I think maybe for me that all happened in the first one and I think it was kind of worn out maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess, I don't know. Um, or something about having gone through all that uneasiness about the doll in the first one only to learn that it was never the doll. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know for sure, but um, yep. I do hear you. Like, 
I could understand how someone could watch this movie and feel unease the entire time because the doll's always there and it's it is a creepy looking doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the doll's presence did not loom large over the movie for me, but it yeah. very well could for other people. Yeah, I hear you. I think I would have felt the same way, like seeing it in like two movies and used in a very similar way. Uh, right. That would have felt like very repetitive, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and as something about it just had it had the vibe of a movie where someone is hired to write a sequel, but their heart maybe wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's, you know, I'm totally putting that on the writer. Maybe she thought this was a great story and a natural place to take it. And in many ways, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Something about it just felt a little bland to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I thought Katie Holmes acting, though, was like probably like one of the strengths of this film. Like, yeah, I get better writing potentially uh, in like repetitive storyline and kind of predictable. But I, I thought she did pretty good as like a mother who's like scared of like this toy her son has, but also like uh, trying to get her son to come out. Like she's kind of juggling those two things. I thought she did a good job at that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was, did a good job. Something, the performances, all of them were, were competent for sure, but none of them really (laughs) popped to me for whatever reason. Yeah. It just seemed like a very dull, bland movie all around to me. And I don't (laughs) entirely know why. Like it didn't have much, uh, much of its own style or anything. It just felt like something I'd seen before. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There wasn't necessarily, like, anyone ever, like, screaming or anything, right? Or, like, long attack scenes or anything? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty flat, you know? It was never, like, uh, big ups and big downs. It was kind of built on the, the building dread, but if you didn't feel the dread, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't much there. <laughs> there was, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, now, now that you say that, it, it was, like, pretty level for the most part. Um, and even the jump out scares, I don't know if the jump out scares really hit me at all in this one. Like, yeah, most of them were their dream sequences. Um, but otherwise, like it, it was just kind of, it was, I felt like it was more like just trying to be creepy versus like too many jump scares. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. It's a strange one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to, I think the jump scares always feel a little bit more cheap when they're really not based around the main theme or like the main plot point yeah um but it was good it was a good way to show that the mom was still haunted by everything as well yeah yeah i kind they never of really wish... put a great bow on that though like no they didn't on their yeah. family moving forward from that tragedy like there exactly. was no real theme to the movie yeah i really feel like the last half hour 20 minutes or whatever that whole like sequence it should have been rewritten should have tied through like yeah some of the trauma that they've been going through and this family coming together almost in a way like i could have seen this going like the way of like uh the babadook in a way where it's like uh this mother uh that was a son too right in babadook yeah yeah i mean like i I feel like this could have gone down that angle and like been about more about them coming together and like come uh joining forces like battle uh this um uh, doll or whatever, like this evil presence, but I don't know how they miss that. That was like the, that seems kind of obvious. Right. Yeah. It does seem like there could have been other ways to go with it. It, it, it feels, you kind of touched on it earlier. It, it very much feels like a product. Like mm-hmm. they, they hit all the notes that a movie needs to hit, but they didn't do it without, with much aplomb or cleverness or, or style yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, like as the movie was going, I was like, this isn't, awesome but it's not bad i don't understand the bad reviews but right by the end i i kind of got it and not that the ending was the ending wasn't good but 
it's not that it was so bad that it ruined the movie, but it just, yeah. by the end of the movie, it was just kind of like a, huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, it was like a, huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good description. Uh, do you ever, uh, you know, when I saw the reviews of this being like 9%, I was like kind of gearing up for like something terrible and I was almost disappointed it wasn't as bad as I was, uh, hoping it would be. Yeah, it's a very competent movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's disappointingly competent. <laughs> I think it's just like its biggest sin is that it didn't, maybe didn't take enough risks, I guess you could say. It didn't do uh, anything to stand out from the pack. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, it didn't uh, take any risks and like built any real character. It felt very formulaic in a way. And it's hard to follow on the heels of a movie that had a trick up its sleeve the whole time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because then you're kind of almost expected to have one up your sleeve for the next one. Yeah, it's kind of like a Shyamalan effect or something. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it was a horrible decision to go this route with it, but there uh, there seemed to be some squandered opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I cool. agree. Did you, oh, uh, did you like uh, the kid or his acting? I, I, I kind of thought it was annoying and I didn't like his fashion, but what, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> um. He was fine. I'm always hesitant to to call like, child actors bad. <laughs> he was not a standout. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't necessarily think it was him. Like, I think I'm sure he's a really good actor. I, I, I didn't care for, like, how uh, they used him in this film. Like, having him silent half, most of the time and, like... Um, yeah, the the clothes they were putting him in, like like he was like, uh, you know, there's a scene like where he's sitting by a fireplace, and, like wearing like a full on cardigan. It's like something I would wear, and it just kind of offended me as someone who would wear that. <laughs> he did dress like you, actually. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, back off my style, man. You dress like you're vacationing in a country cottage outside of London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Finally, Drinking someone tea. gets it. <laughs> uh, but you know, and he, yeah, I'm sure he was directed to be kind of wooden, and he he was supposed to mirror the doll a bit. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It's not necessarily that he did a bad job. It was just it didn't right. it didn't necessarily work. Yeah, yeah. All exactly. the time. Exactly, and uh, I I don't know. Uh, like, I was he scared of the doll at all? I, I kind of got a sense here and there that like. He was scared and trying to protect his parents from the doll, but then other times, like, they were best friends. Like, I couldn't tell really what was going on there. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a complicated yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's a healthy relationship. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, on a scale of zero to five completely unburned hot candle wax faces, what do you give this? <laughs> uh, you know... I thought it was entertaining enough, and not having seen the first, uh, I appreciated the doll. So uh, I'd give this, uh, I think, two and a half um, unburned or unmarked. Uh, yeah, you don't have to repeat, <laughs> repeat whatever that I just said. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember. Two and a half. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I give it a two. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah. I A little, uh, two and a half I consider average, and two is. I consider I didn't like and yeah I don't think I liked it but it really wasn't horrible it was just so dull like yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I'm with you yeah uh well anything else on this movie man no that's all I got all right happy two year anniversary oh uh, yeah you too happy two okay. years <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, that is all for our episode on the Brahms, the boy too, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to give us a review on Apple podcasts that helps other people find our show. And we really appreciate it. Uh, our website is horrormovieclub.com. You can find our social links there. We've got a discord server there where you can join and talk to us and other horror, horror fans and listeners of the show. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter to find out what we're going to cover next week. Um, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popheart. Check her out on Etsy.com. Ooh, and my, uh, I just bought a Mother's Day gift for my wife. It's a picture of her and our, our baby that Amy Mae did for us. So she's oh, great. Awesome. If you want like horror art, go there. But if you're like looking for a gift idea for somebody, that is the place to go. So just go to Etsy.com and look up Amy May Pop Art. I think it's all one word. Um, yeah. Uh, our friend Alex did the Ohio Connection. He owns Jukebox Tavern, jukeboxcle.com, to buy some beer or wine pickup from them. And let's see, until next time, uh, whenever you're looking at an important number or series of numbers and letters, just make sure to turn it upside down to make sure you're not reading it wrong. <laughs> Apparently that's called a strobogrammatic number. Oh, cool. I didn't know they had it too. Yeah, now you know. Cool. Kind of like a palindrome. Yeah, yeah. It's like numbers. Yeah.